your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is with me. We're going to take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. Fitness, diet, nutrition, lifestyle, exercise, supplements, drugs, disease, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Kim, it's that time of the week. It is. Glad to be here. How are you? Good, good. A little crazy this week as usual, so uh, a lot going on, a lot going on everywhere. So, um, you know, I didn't do a lot of prep today, although uh, I posted an article this morning. I know you saw it and read Mm -hmm. it. Probably the single best article I've ever read on on mm-hmm. all things ketogenic. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, it was. But, I'm glad you said it. Yeah, yeah, really. It, it, it um, you know, I, I'm gonna bookmark that one because there's so much good wisdom in there to help people and to address some of these things that come up as questions. It really did. It, it was written by uh, Mark Sisson, by the way. Um, he really did address a lot of the issues that people seem to be confused about or, um, you know, struggle with or have a hard time with. And he did a really good job of simplifying it, you know, and, and he's been doing this for quite some time. He's got, you know, he reads a lot, he researches a lot, he does it himself. So, um, you know, many of the things that are in that article are things we've talked about here. And it's, um, like I said, it was just, uh, he did a really good job of putting it all in one place. Yeah, he sure did. And, you know, we, we've been, um, you know, keto's the big thing now, you know, and he even mentioned that. And, and we follow, we, our encounters with a lot of people hung, you know, so stuck on numbers and that kind of stuff. And um, I just, I just thought his was, I loved it. I just loved it coming from him, too. I mean, because I respect his knowledge. Um, and it was neat to get a, a real well-rounded opinion. And it was very um, educational as well. I learned a lot from that. Yeah, it, it was. He didn't dive so deep into the science that you get lost, but he covered mm-hmm. the science. Mm-hmm. You know, he brought out the facts from the science without getting so deep into it that you just get lost. Mm-hmm. And he, he touched on a lot of different points. Um, one of them you just mentioned, people being, like, obsessed with the numbers. Um I can sometimes be guilty of this in my own life and my own testing, and, and I'll bet he does too. Not not really obsess over it, mm-hmm. but I'm sure, he, I, well, I know, I've seen his articles. He'll test, he'll retest, he'll check numbers. You have to do that when you're the one testing and trying mm-hmm. to learn, but he's also pointing out, look, if if you're not in this to be, 
you know, a ketogenic researcher or helping other people with it. If you're just doing this as your own lifestyle, don't obsess over the numbers. So I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm being hypocritical because I come on and talk about how I tested my ketones, you know, 18 times yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't obsess over them. Uh, you know, when I'm not testing and, and trying to actively learn something, I can go a month and never test. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But you have to do that kind of testing if you're the one that wants to learn and help other people. But the point is is really valid. And he made another point in the numbers that we just talked about last week. And we've talked about several times. I've mm-hmm. talked about in my testing is that there are times when I am very, very strict keto and I can't get my ketone numbers up. And he said, mm-hmm. nobody yeah, knows so. why. It's a mystery. Sometimes yeah. It, it, yeah. sometimes they'll go really high. Other times you're doing all the right things. Your ketone numbers are low. That's the time. Don't worry about it. You know, look at your results. How do you feel? You know, nothing wrong with looking at some numbers if you want to learn and tweak. But don't get obsessed over the numbers. This is a, a lifestyle. It, it's... A way to eat and the last thing we want people doing is obsessing because that's stress and stress will block your results yeah yeah it's just infor- it's information and i and i look at that the same way i used to look at the scale <laughs> you know right I used to right base my day sometimes with that which is insane but you get fall into that trap very easily but if you use it as information um and keep it at that and and you know, not obsessed. It, it is a very valuable tool. Yeah, he, he talks a lot about um, the beauty of training your body to, to become a fat burner because then everything you need, you carry around with you. You know, it, and he even talks mm-hmm. about, look, you don't have to gorge yourself on fat every day because you carry it with you. You have your own source of energy mm-hmm. with you at all times, which is, that's a, a good thing. But he also talks about, you know, an eating strategy to increase metabolic flexibility. And what he's talking about there is, it's not that we don't ever want to burn glucose again as energy. That's not the point. It's like um, a hybrid car. They're efficient because they can run on electricity, but if they don't have electricity, they can run on gas. They're not locked into either fuel. Our body can be that way. When we eat the standard American diet, we only burn glucose. We're never, a, we're never able to access the fat as energy, so we store it. That's why we gain weight. What he's saying is the point of this is not to burn fat exclusively, it's to get your body to the point where it accesses and burns fat easily so you can when you need to. And there are other activities where glucose is a better fuel and you do want to burn glucose. And it's, it's that flexibility of being able to burn both. And if, if there's no food available for whatever reason, you're just busy, you don't want to stop to eat, whatever it might be, if you're fat adapted, you don't need to eat. I mean, I, I know for me, if I get busy, I can go the whole day without eating. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, and when I read that, though, too, I had this thing in my head thinking, okay, so how do you know, though, when you're in that? Is it, is it that where you're you know, so consistent and you're really 
tuned into your body. Um, cause I admit I'm, I'm not that tuned in that consistently, you know, to know that you're, you're right there. Um, that was, that was my only question I wanted to dig into deeper. Like, how, how do you know when you're going back and forth? Cause I know you've talked about that too. You know, right. you go back and forth. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I, I think, um, I don't know if it's a matter of time or a matter of that I have paid so much attention to it and I focus on it. And But, yeah, it's been – I mean, I, I remember saying that towards kind of the end of the first year that I was really able to say I, I can feel when I'm in ketosis. I mean, I, I can almost tell you what my number is going to be before I test the number because I've tested it so many times you start to – you know, correlate. And once in a while, I'll get a big surprise. And and I think that's part of what he's saying. We don't know why you get some of those numbers. I think I mentioned a week or two ago, I tested my ketones and I had a four. I've never had a four. I didn't feel any. I knew I was in ketosis that day. Clearly, I could feel it. But I was expecting like maybe a 1.5 based on, you know, where I had been for a couple days. And I got a four. Yesterday, I felt like I was, you know, in ketosis, feeling good, and I got a point four. So the numbers aren't always accurate. They're a, they're a guide. You know, they're just one tool to help us. Um, but I, I think when you, I, I mean, I can't tell you that I, I'm not accessing glucose or I am. I have a feeling at any given time, our body is doing both. It's not one or the other one may be more dominant at a certain time, um, but our body will produce its own glucose even if we don't eat it. So mm-hmm. even if you mm-hmm. thought you could get away with a zero-carb diet and burn fat exclusively, you're not. Your body will produce the glucose it needs. That's why the people who claim that these low-carb diets are so dangerous are just wrong. Your body will produce the glucose it needs whether you eat it or not. Yeah, 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 and that's a good reason with the um, the tracking too. Just like you did, because then you probably step back and say, "Hmm, you know what? What did I do? What attributed to that number?" So that's that's the good thing of tracking um, that can give you. Yeah, you learn from it. Fascinated with it, not obsessed with it. Th- that, mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great statement. We need to do something with that. We're uh, we're going to get to a break. We'll be right back with more stuff. Stick around. Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're talking about a uh, an article I read today from uh, Mark Sisson, probably the best single piece I've read on on ketogenic diets. If you want to read it, you can find it on uh, my Facebook page and on the Destination Health Facebook page. Um, this is one of those articles that I'll save, bookmark, and probably print out so I can grab it because uh, there's just some really good stuff in here. You know, Kim, I, I like this because I've talked about this. Um, he says keto doesn't have to be ketogenic. That sounds confusing at first, but he, he talks about what he calls the keto zone, a range of carbohydrate mm-hmm. intake that causes you to drift in and out of ketosis. And he says for most, that zone would probably be between some, somewhere between 20 and 120 grams of carbs a day. And that's kind of what I've talked about, mm-hmm. that you know, mm-hmm. not being yeah. strict, ha- eating 100 grams of carbs a day sometimes if I feel like I, you and I just talked about this yesterday with one of our um, one-on-one clients. And, you know, he says less one day, more the next, more ketones today, fewer tomorrow. You're currently on that edge, moving back and forth. You know, he talks about if you have a super intense training session and you want to eat a sweet potato, then eat it. You know, your your body will use up the glucose and restock your glycogen. So it's that, that um, personalized, individualized nutrition. There's no one size fits all. <clears throat> and, and you learn, you know, what your range is just by doing your own personal testing and biohacking. And, um, you know, I, I like this sentence. He says, and, and if you're doing this right, you can maintain your ideal body weight composition without counting much of anything, calories, carbs, ketones. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of feel like that. I mean, I could stop counting and measuring everything and I would be able to maintain right where I am. It, it wouldn't be hard at all. And the more you do this, you know, the the better you get at it. He, I think we had a question uh, somebody asked about um, muscle, you know, wasting because there have been articles about you know in ketosis you'll go through muscle wasting. That that's all false. He says you, you eat less food than before, but experience no negative symptoms. You retain or gain muscle and bone density sleep like a rock, enjoy steady energy levels, and generally avoid the malaise of long-term calorie restriction. What he's talking about is almost every other diet only focuses on calorie restriction. And we know diets don't work. They, they don't. They're, they have a horrible track record. And the reason they don't is because if you try to calorie restrict through just sheer willpower, you will fail. The drive to eat is too strong to overcome for long. You can white knuckle it for a while, but this is why people say, oh, you know, but I tried that low-fat diet and it worked really well. I lost a lot of weight, but I gained it back. Yeah, that, that's and, – and honestly, if you stop eating keto, you're going to gain the weight back too. That's the point. You can't go back to the way you used to eat. Most people will tell you keto is easier to maintain because it does satisfy your hunger. I think that's one of the biggest keys. Well, and if it goes, if your goal is all those things you just listed and, um, you know, weight, it isn't ultimately just about the weight. And that's what it is a lot of times for people. But 
if people um, put more value on all those other things that come with not just eating the keto diet, but eating the whole food, the clean diet, the good foods, that's the goal. And then that's when you don't want to stray much from that then because that, that achieving that is so much better. You know, you don't want to lose that. Excellent point. Yeah, that, that it's not just about keto. You can lose weight, you can get your blood sugar under control, but if you want optimal health, you know, it's what you and I refer to as nutrient-dense keto. We're looking for nutrient density, we're looking for high quality, and we're looking for finding that macronutrient balance that works for you. One of the things, uh, you know, I, I, I have been added to a lot of keto groups, um, so I see a lot of these feeds in Facebook. Uh, if I tried to respond to this one specific thing I'm talking about right now, it would be all I could do all day, but it makes me a little crazy when people, and I understand they're well-meaning, they're just asking questions or trying to learn, and it's usually the people responding that aggravate me more than the people asking. But a lot of people will ask, is this food keto? That, that mm-hmm. makes me a little crazy. There's no such thing. Food isn't keto mm-hmm. or not keto. Um, that's, that doesn't fit any model of a ketogenic diet. It, has, it doesn't have a lot to do with the food. I've said, you know, made the outrageous statement that I could probably eat a Big Mac every day and it could be ketogenic, bun and all. As long as I kept that within my carb count for the day and I was able to produce a level of nutritional ketosis, which I could, that would mean a Big Mac is ketogenic food. That's kind of ridiculous, but it makes my point. Stop focusing on... and, and. the reason I don't like this is is somebody will say, is white rice allowed? You know, and they'll even they'll even ask, Am I allowed to eat this on keto? You're allowed to eat whatever the hell you want. Don't don't think that this is some, you know, life sentence that you can't eat this food. Don't even approach it as are you allowed? You know, it, it's food. Eat real food, strive for good quality, watch your carbs. Um, I've said before, rice is one of my kind of higher carb foods that I will eat occasionally. I'll I'll even eat rice noodles once in a while because I love Thai food. I have no negative reactions to white rice. It's just, it's starchy and it's high in carbs. I just have to make sure it fits my carb count that day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is cool. I like where, um, like, it all should. All this should evolve. You know, I love how um, everything we've done as far as, you know, how to eat, how to how to live, how to, you know, just be better healthy out on the road has evolved so much this, these past few years. This is just, uh, this is just even a, another step forward with it. Yeah, it is. You're right. That That's a really good point that this is new really really new i mean think of the low fat movement that had a 40-year run and it was a disastrous 40-year run and things never got better it didn't evolve the low fat movement devolved it it, the longer we did it the worse it got um you know i i saw an interesting statistic on uh, larry wingett's page i'm not sure if it was real or not I, i probably was because he doesn't uh post much that isn't but it was 
something like 90-some percent of the people who become vegetarian end up eating meat again at some point. I, I can attest to that. Mm-hmm. I tried the vegetarian thing mm-hmm. for three mm-hmm. years. And unfo- when I first started, I thought it was amazing. I felt great. And I think it was just because I was mm-hmm. eating cleaner. But the longer I did it, the worse I felt. And that's not a good sign. And ultimately, I, I started feeling so bad that I listened to my body. I, I thought, this doesn't seem to be a good way to eat. I, I'm not, things aren't getting better. They're actually getting worse. And the keto has been the opposite. I've said this many times. Three years later, mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm, I'm getting better and getting more benefits out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Because I did vegan for a oh, year and a half, two years. And I, I did love it for a point because it felt, you know, because it was, I was eating a clean kind of uh, vegan, more so just getting into just, you know, against the industrial farming and that, you know. So now it's, you know, now I'm grateful. I didn't know much about grass-fed and all that kind of stuff, you know, then. And um, I, I like where, where, this, where I am with this, where this is, and I've had to shift and as, um, shift more now compared to when I did it in 2007. Um, but it's so, you can so easily do that, too. Yeah. Listen to your body and just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we have some, uh, I don't know what the right word is, um, pioneers maybe. I don't necessarily want to say leaders, mm-hmm. uh, but we, we have some pretty awesome pioneers in kind of the whole food, um, real food, mm-hmm. keto movement. Uh, Mark Sisson is clearly one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Another guy that you and I follow who's kind of a, He's a little crazy, I think, um, but, I, but I love some of the stuff he does. I mean, he's way out there on the cutting edge of this stuff. Um, you know, you could say that about Dave Asprey. He does a lot of biohacking, but um, the other guy, and I know you follow him quite a bit, is Ben Greenfield. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love his email today. I shared that with you. Yeah. And it kind of went along, I don't know, with the siding with Mark Sissons, but just like, you know, you know, his was just that about, uh, I pulled that line out and shared with me, just not optimize your body, but also your mind and spirit, you know? Don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> that and deciding who you are is there, but just being so um, consumed with the, the body part. It all has to be together. Like Michael said an orchestra one time, and I loved that word. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, just a kind of a, beautiful awesome word to describe that the orchestra of your mind body and spirit all right we've got to get to a break we're going to come back we're going to get to some of your calls and questions stick around i'm kevin rothford this is destination health
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Uh, Kim, anything else, or do you want to get to some calls? Nope, nope, that's it. All um, right. It's nice talking about this, too. I really, they were refreshing, actually. Yeah, like you said, what a great day. I woke up and saw both of those this morning, and, and it was just such a uh, a positive outlook on a lot of things and some good mm-hmm. information. It was a great way to start the day this morning. Let's uh, let's start our show today in Missouri. Gwen, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin and Kim. I was just calling. I sent you an email about my some recent blood work, and of course, my doctor and cardiologist just went ape shit over it. So I just wanted to see what you had to say about it. All right, uh, Kim. Do you have those numbers? Or we're looking at cholesterol numbers, correct? Right. Kim, do you... Yeah, can, I sent them to you before, right before the show. Can you, you read, read them? them off? Yeah, it's easier for me. Uh, give me total. You bet. 302. Okay. And HDL? 88. And LDL? 190. And triglycerides? 121. Okay. And while I'm doing some number crunching here, Gwen, give give me a little history on how you've been eating and if you're currently losing weight. I've been doing keto probably for just over a year now, pretty solid. Uh, And normally it's like I do... Bulletproof coffee in the morning, then later on, like for an afternoon thing, my brunch, more or less, maybe some bacon and egg, a couple of eggs or something like that. And then dinner is always a meat and some kind of vegetable and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, Are you currently still losing weight? I'm kind of pretty much stuck where I'm at. Okay. I haven't been losing lately. Okay. Because weight loss itself will throw off uh, cholesterol numbers. And I, I think everybody knows how I feel. I, I don't worry too much about cholesterol. Haven't even tested my own. Couldn't tell you what my numbers are. Um, I, I just feel like cholesterol is a non-issue when you're eating a clean ketogenic diet. The numbers are what they are. There are some people with some genetic hereditary issues, that, but... Other than that, so so let's look at this both ways. And and this is why your traditional doctors are freaking out. We're going to look at your numbers the way they do. They take each number individually. I, I think that in itself is a problem. Our, we never look at anything in, in health and nutrition individually. We look at it holistically. I think this is a big place where our traditional medical community is is missing the boat, is that they try to isolate things. It's no different than trying to isolate a nutrient and say, oh, if you eat turmeric, you'll be healthy. So let's not eat the real turmeric. Let's do an extract. That's taking that even further, and I think that's a mistake. So if we look at total cholesterol from the traditional medical model, 302 puts you in the high-risk category. That's why they're freaking out. If we look at your LDL, 190, puts you in the very high-risk category. That's why they're freaking out. If we look at your HDL, 88, you're you're optimal 
That, that's as good as it gets on HDL, optimal. If we look at your triglycerides, which is the one everybody tends to worry about, 120 puts you right in the normal range. So of the four numbers, you're high risk, very high risk, optimal, and normal. That's looking at each one individually, which I think is a mistake. We use, and, and a lot of holistic doctors use, a ratio model, three different ratios. And I'm going to go through these. The first one we look at is total cholesterol to HDL ratio. Preferably, we would like this number to be under five. That's preferably. Ideally, we'd like it to be under 3.5. You're 3.4. That is ideal in your cholesterol to HDL total ratio. That, that is ideal. The next ratio we look at is HDL to LDL. Preferably, you want to be over 0.3. Ideally, you want to be over 0.4. You're 0.46. Absolutely ideal. Doesn't get any better. The last ratio we look at is triglycerides to HDL. Preferably, we'd like to see people under 4. Ideally, we'd like to see them under 2. You are 1.3. Uh, your ratios don't get any better. That sounds good. I think why they kind of freak out is, you know, because I've got a family history. My daughter's had strokes. My brother just had a heart attack and had quintuple bypass after being on all these medications and stuff. Well, so so here's another problem with our traditional medical model when when they always want to look at family history and then they'll say, well, there must be a genetic component. Um, No, because if we look at family history, we could find these same conditions in people's dog. It's, It's not genetic. It's lifestyle. It's people that eat the same way, that grew up eating the same way. Families tend to have the same habits, the same lifestyle. It's the lifestyle that led to all of those conditions and problems. And when your, I think it was your, was it your brother that had all the bypasses? Yeah, he he just, he just, this within the last couple of months, and he's younger than me. And he, you, he's That's a quintuple he, bypass. Quintuple bypass. He's on all of these medications. He's doing what the traditional medical community told him to do, and it's clearly not working. That's what I told my doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, the results are right in front of us. He's doing what they want him to do, and he continues to get worse. So, you know, based on everything I know about cholesterol, um, which is I've, I've done a tremendous amount of research on it, the, the, you know, the cholesterol researchers today that are looking at this, that's why they developed these ratios, because they realized looking at individual numbers was very deceiving. It, it was not working. They, I, I will tell you why the numbers exist. The numbers exist to sell more drugs. And they keep lowering the numbers so that more and more people are recommended or virtually forced onto these drugs based on single numbers. 
but but the ratios are so much more telling. Yeah, it's my job that requires me to get this blood work and everything done. They want to make sure I'm not going to have a heart attack going down the road. So that's why I have, you know, I have to do this yearly. Oh, no, so, I get it. I, I Yeah, I, I understand. Go, go through the same stuff of DOT every year. It's a big fight. Yeah, um, you know, I, you know the, these ratios that I use, you can find these calculators online. Just Google cholesterol ratio calculator. And they're really simple to use. You just put in the four numbers, hit calculate, and, and it will explain a lot of this stuff to you. The next time, you know, your doctor wants to say something, print it out and, and ask him what he thinks of this. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. Or find a good functional medicine doctor that really understands cholesterol and is DOT certified. I know that could be a real challenge, but... Um, Kim, maybe that's what we should be doing. Maybe we should be <laughs> trying to find, you know, holistic practitioners that are actually DOT certified. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a really good idea. Put that, mm-hmm. put that on a list. We'll have that went to. down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, put that on a list. We'll have to. I, and like I say, I don't think there's going to be many of them, but I, I always say once you start looking for something, you're a lot more likely to find it. All right, so let's, uh, oh, you know what? I think we're coming up uh, too close on a break here to get started. Looks like we have another call coming up with some blood work. Uh, we are going to get to that one right after this break. Um, there are some really, really good books out there on cholesterol. I have several of them on my list. Cholesterol Clarity from Jimmy Moore is a great place to start. Um, Anything by Dr. Dwayne Graveline, uh, who happens to be a, uh, a an extremely highly credentialed doctor. He was a doctor in the space program, uh, wrote some excellent books on cholesterol and statins. I would highly recommend any of those because the cholesterol thing scares a lot of people and we need more knowledge and information instead of just fear-mongering and drugs. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. We're heading into the final segment of the first hour. I'll give you a quick heads up. At the end, I'm going to say goodnight, goodbye, all that stuff. We are going to come back into a second hour, and I do want to let you know there are some room for there is some room for questions uh, in that second hour. If you jump in right now and press one on your phone, we should be able to get to you. Don't wait too long because sometimes it fills up towards the end of the show. Here we go.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're going to get right back to some phone calls. We are off to Washington. John, welcome to the program. Well, hi, Kevin. Kim, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What's on your mind today? Well, I was calling about a blood test, too. I just recently had one. I was wondering if you could take a look at it. I didn't really hear your whole spiel about the cholesterol, but the other one I was concerned about was my kidney numbers. Looked like they were pretty low. Okay. Um, Well, I'll take a look at the kidney. Do we want to do some cholesterol numbers on this one as well? (laughs) Well, I know I've heard you talk about it before, and you really say it's, you know, not to worry about them too much. Yeah, but it's not a bad idea to look to at them. You wanna... Yeah. Oh, no, I don't mind looking okay. at them. Um, Kim, same thing. Can you read them okay. off to me? Yep. All right. Yep. Total? I'm ready. 296. And HDL? 76. And LDL? 207. And triglycerides? 66. Wow. Um, so same thing, John. How? Um, what's your current diet? How long have you been eating this way, and are you still losing weight? Well, I've been eating keto for about a year and a half, and I'm pretty well stabilized on my weight. Okay, good. So it's interesting. Here's two people, both eating keto for a year or a little more. Your numbers are very, very close to the last callers. Your total cholesterol puts you at high. Again, if we're looking at the traditional model and looking at each individual number, and you said you missed a little bit of what I was saying, the traditional medical model looks at all four of your numbers as though they stand alone and they try to make determinations. Well, Unfortunately, the first number they look at to make a determination is total cholesterol. It might be the most nonsensical thing I've ever seen. We have three numbers that they're going to use to get to total. One of those numbers, the doctors admit they want it to be higher. One of those numbers, we would all agree we want it to be lower. So uh, HDL, everybody agrees we want it to be higher. Triglycerides, everybody agrees we want it to be lower. We can all agree on those. The LDL is where there's some confusion. A lot of doctors will tell you you want LDL lower. The holistic doctors will tell you the LDL number itself is meaningless. We have to do further testing to find out what kind of LDL it is. And LDL itself can either be beneficial if it's the right kind, possibly, or just neutral. If it's the wrong kind, then LDL can be dangerous. One of the reasons I don't dive too deep into this with people who are eating clean and eating keto is the numbers tend to fix themselves. And the LDL tends to be the the better kind, the large, fluffy kind. So most of the time I tell people, don't even bother spending the money on that additional testing. So if we look at the numbers the way the traditional community does, just like we did the last one, your total cholesterol puts you at high risk, according to them. Your LDL puts you at very high risk. But your HDL is optimal, And your triglycerides are normal. 
Now, so that's kind of a mixed bag. What are they going to do? You have great HDL, you have completely normal triglycerides, but your LDL is high risk, so it puts you at high risk if we look at your total cholesterol. Again, how do you take three numbers where one you want higher, one you want lower, one we don't even know what we want it to be, add them together and come up with anything meaningful? I mean, I I don't even understand how we've used this model. So we use ratios, and we didn't make this up. I mean, this is this is well known, um, especially in the holistic um, and the uh, functional medicine world. So if we look at your cholesterol to HDL, total cholesterol to HDL, you are at three point eight. That is good. Nothing wrong with that number. It's right where we'd like it to see. It's not ideal. It's good, which is fine for me. Your HDL to LDL ratio is 0.37. We'd like it over 3. That's good. Ideally, over 4 is outstanding. You're at 0.37. That's pretty darn good. Um, Your triglyceride to HDL ratio, we'd like it to be under 4. And and some people claim this may be the most important ratio we look at. We'd like it to be under four. Ideally, the best we're going to get is under two. You are at 0.7. Okay. So again, here's two people eating keto. And if we look at the numbers, the way I believe is the correct way to look at them, you two are almost mirror images. I mean, we see the same thing when people eat a clean lower carb diet their numbers fix themselves yeah well right on so the um so how about my my kidneys though <laughs> the the kidney numbers um i haven't done a tremendous amount of research into these do you have any symptoms of any kind of kidney disease gout anything along those lines no, I feel great, really, you know. I you, just, just when I seen those numbers, I'm like well below the halfway mark to kidney failure or something according to their numbers. And I'm like, well, wow, that's kind of spooky, you know. Yeah, so it's a little harder to get into um, some of those here. Again, I, I've got to, you know, take those numbers and actually go do a, a little more digging on them. Um, and that's something uh, Kim and I will work with you in the in the one-on-one that we're doing. Um, but I don't see anything here to worry about. Does your diet tend to be a little higher in protein? You know, yeah, I do probably eat more than I should. You, you might want to back off a little bit on the protein. Um, protein, that's really what we're looking at when we're looking at kidney function. They have a lot to do with processing proteins and, and metabolites of proteins. Um, and sometimes just a higher protein diet may not even be hurting anything, but it can skew the numbers a little bit. And, and I don't think that there's any danger in decreasing the amount of protein we eat. And I'm not saying don't eat protein, and I'm not saying don't eat meat. I, I think you should eat all those things. I just think you might want to back off the quantity sure. a little bit. There's no downside to doing it. I'm not entirely sure that it's necessary, but you might want to try it. Okay. 
Well, perfect. I appreciate appreciate that, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You know, Kim, I, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday. Um, I, I've, I normally don't watch a lot of TV news. I, I've said that many times. If I want news, I'll, I'll go seek it out myself, usually um, online, so I can kind of control. I don't want to sit there and listen to the same stuff on TV over and over. But with everything going on, I've been watching far more TV news than I normally do. And because of that, I'm seeing far more commercials than I normally do. Uh, I won't even get started mm-hmm. on the drug commercials. What I've noticed is this new infatuation with protein where, you know, where the the low carb thing is catching on. But I think in the main in the mainstream, nobody wants to promote fat. They're so afraid of fat still. Nobody wants to come out and say, hey, look, we know sugar and carbs are bad. We figured that out. Our product is high fat. Nobody wants to say that. So instead, what they're all saying is it's high protein, like because protein doesn't have a bad name. You know, everybody thinks protein is amazing. Oh, my God, it's more protein. They're macronutrients. You know, we, we put these labels and these, you know, these fears where this is good and this is bad. And, and clearly we know that processed food is the real problem and unfortunately processed food is very high in carbs and bad fats we're we're not demonizing carbs we're just saying the natural diet is just not that high in them natural foods are just not that high in carbs there are natural foods that are high in protein and we've said many times it is the one macronutrient you could still overdo if you're not careful but I, i see Nobody in the mainstream is willing to promote a product as high fat. That's interesting. I'll have to pay attention. Yeah, I don't see very many commercials either. Um, that's an, well, and you know that. We, we, even with working with people, and I have that same thing too. It's, it takes a certain amount of trust and education stuff to yeah. not be fearful of fat because it was ingrained in us. Yeah, and, and we just think protein is so mm-hmm. amazing. You know, yep. Look at all the protein supplements, protein bars, protein shakes. Can you find a fat supplement, a fat bar, or a fat shake on the market anywhere? Right, right. right. (laughs) Well, there's the music. They're going to chase me out of here. We'll have to do it again next time. Thanks, Kim. Thanks to everybody else. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Here we go. We're going to do a second hour. If you want to jump in right now, press one on your phone. They're uh, they're starting to pile up. So if you want to get through, better press one pretty quick. Here we go.
money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. And today is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is here with me. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. Diet, nutrition, lifestyle, exercise, drugs, supplements, training, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. Kim, welcome. Hi, glad to be here, Kevin. So... At the end of our our last episode, uh, we kind of touched on a topic, and I want to expand on that a little bit. Uh, I I was talking primarily about what I see in mass marketing now. So I don't watch a lot of TV normally, um, and I've been watching much more recently just because of all the news events, and it's a quick, easy way to catch up on some things. And when you watch, you know, TV and news, you tend to see a lot of commercials. Uh, the ones that make me absolutely crazy, I could do a whole show about that, are the drug commercials. Um, that's not what I want to talk about today, but I'll touch on it. I find it crazy that if you pay attention to these, you'll see a drug, kind of a new drug, never heard of it before. All of a sudden, they're commercials. They're promoting it heavily. And promoting the same drug for multiple problems, things that don't even seem like they have anything to do with each other. Um, One for ulcerative colitis, which is a digestive issue, a pretty severe digestive issue. And the very next day, I'll see the same drug being promoted for a skin condition. And it seems so illogical until you understand that many, many of the conditions we are dealing with today, there's, there's, I think I listed over 100 the other day, they are all autoimmune conditions. So mm-hmm. no matter what the autoimmune condition is, this class of drug works the same way by suppressing your immune system. We're not going to solve the problem. We're just going to suppress your immune system so the symptoms go away. So that's why these drugs can be marketed for so many different problems that have nothing to do with each other other than they're all autoimmune. And, you know, when you look at this, I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but once I get started, I have a hard time stopping. Um, Autoimmune conditions are exploding and we know, I mean, the holistic community, medical community gets this that autoimmune conditions are absolutely lifestyle-driven, primarily diet-driven. It starts with leaky gut, things that are, you know, creating intestinal permeability. Then the immune system gets ramped up. And, And when that happens, we never know which organ the immune system is going to attack. That's why these diseases look so different when in a sense they're all the same. Is the immune system, once we get leaky gut and we ramp up the immune system, is it going to attack the thyroid? Is it going to attack the joints? Is it going to attack the brain? Is it going to attack the skin? Is it going to attack the um, the pancreas? Is it going to attack the digestive tract? So in a way, they're they're all the same, 
you know, we have an overactive immune system because of, you know, primarily leaky gut. We just don't know what the outcome is going to be. So the medical community just Mm -hmm. has all these really expensive, really powerful drugs that suppress the immune system. The problem with that is when you look at the side effects, there are things like death. I I just don't consider death a side effect. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. When, When, you know, side effects used to be headaches and nausea. Not death and cancer and leukemia and tuberculosis and suicide. Suicide is now a side effect, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I got off track with it. Sensitized to it. Exactly. Figured it comes with the package. Yeah, yeah. Just stop and and literally listen. Um, I, I, I was listening to one yesterday, and it was an autoimmune suppressant drug, and they said. This drug could attack different organs in the body, and it could lead to death. Who would want to take that drug ever? The thing right, you're the thing right. you're taking it for will not kill you. It's it's a horrible disease. It's uncomfortable. Um, I, I would much rather see you fix that problem. But even if you're not going to fix it, it probably eczema is not going to kill you. Ulcerative colitis is pretty severe, and, and it's a lousy way to have to live. But in, unless it progresses to a really severe point, it's probably not going to kill you. But the drug you're taking could. How much sense does that make? Yeah, it's scary. We get a lot of people that email us, and um, we're so grateful they do about that because they get this diagnosis. And, you know, you just have this, you know just the traditional doctors and stuff, you know, that you go to and you just put this trust and then you don't know where to turn. So, you know, I I love seeing people take ownership and of their health and and do what they can and look for it on the food side. And we just got to keep spreading that message because man, almighty the alternative. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a little off track there. That happens once in a while, but uh, (laughs) what I was really talking about are the other commercials I'm seeing a lot of is mm-hmm. the, the, the low-carb movement is pretty much in full swing. I mean, the low-carb movement mm-hmm. really is kind of mainstream now. You, you can see it everywhere, all kinds of low-carb products, and, and that's been happening for a while. But what I found interesting was I kept seeing protein as the hero now. Carbs are bad, protein is good. That, that's what these commercials are telling you. They, they will, you know, there's a yogurt commercial, Oikos or something. It's low sugar, low carb, low, 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 low fat, high protein, high protein. I keep seeing everybody is pushing protein. We have protein bars. We have protein shakes. We have protein supplements. We have protein pills. We have protein everything. And, and that's the hero now. Protein, in mm-hmm. I don't think protein in anybody's mind has any kind of negative consequences or connotations. We, we just think protein is now the nutritional hero. Carbs are bad. Protein is good. What happened to fat? Why are we just kind of ignoring fat? We, we thought it was bad for so long. All of the science now is very, very clear that fat is not bad at all, 
but it's nowhere near mainstream enough that anybody would attempt to market a high-fat product and promote it as a high-fat product. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And I love the people that will. Somebody hopefully will bring that out with the education piece and, and um, see what that does. Yeah, it, it, it's another macronutrient. We absolutely need mm-hmm. fat in our diet. We need good fat in our diet. We need cholesterol in our diet. Um, we don't need cholesterol quite as much because our body can produce its own, especially if we give it the good fats and the good nutrition. Uh, but cholesterol, even the government admits now, you don't even need to count cholesterol. It's just a non-issue. Um, fat, in my mind, is, is kind of a non-issue. And the reason I say that, and I'm not saying you could eat, you know, 1,000 grams of fat a day and not suffer consequences. You would. The reason I'm saying it's kind of a non-issue, we know you can absolutely overdo carbs very, very easily. In fact, most of the population does. What a lot of people don't realize is you can absolutely overdo protein. Too much protein does have negative consequences in a lot of ways. It's not to say that protein is bad. It's not. We absolutely have to have protein. There are essential amino acids we have to eat in our diet. Protein is good, but protein is also easy to overdo. In my experience and research, protein does not really self-regulate. You can eat too much protein. I think it's actually very easy to eat too much protein if you're not (laughs) watching and paying attention. I find that for most people, myself and a lot of people we work with and a lot of my research reading... It's really difficult to overeat fat. Fat tends to be very self-regulating. Yeah, yeah. And I um, I was the same way with protein when I was training and stuff. More, more, more. You know, after a workout, get my protein in and, and that. And, and that all that training, and that might have been part of it, you know, carving up. But the same hand as the carving up side was the the protein going in. Yeah, so now we seem to be making this wild swing back and forth between carbs and protein, and we're still ignoring fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know that even on our all of the NutriQs we see, this is high as usually digestive sugar, um, essential fatty acids is right up there. Yeah. Um, as being needed as well. Yeah, very good That's point. Important. Very good point. We've got to get to a break. We're going to come back. We'll uh, get to your calls and questions real soon. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Kim, a, a couple more things on this, because this is what kind of uh, triggered this for me. I, I saw another commercial this morning, uh, and I see lots of these. The, the whole protein thing, it's just everywhere. Uh, everybody thinks just, just pile on the protein. Um, I think that's a huge mistake. I think at some point, if this trend continues in the mainstream, in 10 years we may be talking about all of the problems caused by excess protein just like we're now talking about all of the problems caused by excess carbs. You know what? That's not out of the question. You're right. So here's what the the commercial that finally kind of pushed me over the edge was I saw a commercial for an Adkins bar. And they talked about very low carb, no added sugars, high in protein. What's so sad about that is I, I'm sure Dr. Adkins is rolling over in his grave right now. He ne- I, I don't believe that this was ever his vision. Um, the whole Adkins right. name was right. bought. And I am a hardcore capitalist. I believe in the free market. But it is a shame how the real message can get lost so badly in marketing. This is all about marketing. It's what sells. Nobody's going to buy something if you market it as high fat, but they will be all over it if you market it as high protein. Unfortunately, that's not the only problem with the Adkins product foods. They're just garbage. Um, But if you, when was the first time the Adkins diet came out? I think it was in the 70s, wasn't it? It was way long time ago. I hadn't heard of it till. Oh, gosh, way later. Um, but that might have been when the new Atkins came out. Right. I, I, I didn't hear about the original one. I think the mm-hmm. original book, I think he actually wrote, I think it was called the 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 Atkins Revolution or... I don't remember, but it, the the original book, I believe, came out in the 70s. If you read that book, and if you study Dr. Adkins and his clinic, because he was a practicing doctor, he helped people with obesity and blood sugar. And if you read about him in the clinic and the original diet, it was an absolute ketogenic diet. It was not a high-protein diet at all. It was a high-fat low-carb, moderate-protein diet. They measured for ketones. I mean, he, he was one of the people that revolutionized, you know, measuring and checking for ketones to see if you were in ketosis. And, and it was not high-protein. It was only when it got out into the real world and, and became popular that without enough people kind of monitoring the way we have today, we, we've got a lot of people out there now you know, that keep pounding the fact that ketogenic is not high protein. It's high fat, moderate protein. But he was kind of the lone voice back then, and I think that all got lost. And people said, oh, I can eat all the steak I want and all the butter and all the cheese and all the bacon and all the eggs. And nobody was talking about vegetables. They were just talking about don't eat bread, eat meat. Mm-hmm. Don't eat bread, eat meat. Um, meat and protein clearly a part of this. But the the message, you know, in the whole Adkins thing really got lost, and and it's a shame um, because he really was the pioneer in this. It's just his his whole message is just wrong. Yeah, now. he was. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. 
You know, and, and, and he was not recommending bars and artificial foods. and uh, Right. He, he was just recommending a real food diet. He was recommending lots of vegetables, and we do too. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very careful about fruit. He was careful about overdoing protein. Uh, it, you know, it's... It, he he was talking about in the seventies what we're talking about today and what is working so well for so many people. Say that again. I, I said in the seventies he was talking about exactly what we're talking about today and is working mm. for so many people, but unfortunately today his name and yeah. his diet is is absolute garbage. Honestly, I know it is sad. It is sad. Yeah, so what do you say we get to some phone calls? Okay, sounds good, Tim. All right, let's go to Texas. Wade, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kim. What's on your mind today? Um, I wanted to thank Kim uh, yesterday. Uh, I sent her a couple emails on coconut water and and a monster drink, and she helped out, and I wanted to thank her for that. Good. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I copied, I copied and pasted the ingredient list on a monster drink. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, but that's how we learn. So, yeah, that's right. Keep the questions coming because that's how we learn and, and can bring it back. So thanks, Wade. Um, and then another thing I ran across um, at, the, at the store, if, if you like rice, um, they have come out with um, a cauliflower rice now. That was pretty mm-hmm. neat. Yeah, I, I've seen. I've actually tried it. I, I'll tell you the the only downside I found to it. It's very convenient. It's pre grated cauliflower. You know, we've been grading cauliflower and doing cauliflower rice and pizzas and all that stuff. Um, this is really convenient because it's pre grated. You can even get it in Costco in big bags. The only problem with it, I see it is once the okay. cauliflower is grated, it tends to mold pretty quickly. So be careful about buying a bag that you're not going to use in about a day or two. I mean, anymore, I won't even buy it unless I'm going to use it that day. It, it just doesn't hold well once it's been graded. You know how when you, when you buy a head of cauliflower? Yeah, I mean, if it's frozen? Um, yeah, the frozen one. Oh. You those, Kevin? I oh. Know that way. Yeah. Yeah, the frozen I, one. Well, that's simple. Yeah. I don't, that's simple. I don't know why I didn't think of just buying the other bag and freezing it. Um, you know what? <laughs> I know. Sometimes you miss the most obvious things. Um, you know how when you buy a head of cauliflower and you leave it for a day or two, it starts to get that black film on the top of it, which, yeah. it, which is a mold. And, yeah. and that's really not good for us. It's not going to make you sick immediately, but it's not good for us. Those are like mycotoxin mold kind of things we want to avoid. Well, that grows on the surface. As soon as we grate the cauliflower, we increase the surface area by about a thousand times, and and it develops that stuff really quickly. So frozen would be a great idea. And it's good. Is that what you tried, Wade? I had cauliflower. Yeah. Kind of this, cauliflower, lemon, and garlic, and parsley. That's all that was in it. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. And they also have if you if you like noodles, um, they have uh, zucchini and squash frozen noodles now too excellent nice. excellent that's fantastic so yeah. my question is on on blood flow um it, dealing with the uh, plaque buildup and stuff i mean i'm about 70 pounds overweight 
trying, I'm doing the keto and uh, I do the bulletproof coffee and, and all that. But as far as uh, the, the keto diet, you know, eating clean and healthy and uh, how do you know if you have plaque buildup? I mean, since I'm over, is there a strong possibility? Is, is there, how can you get rid of it? Okay, those are all good questions. So let's tackle the first one. How do you know if you have it? I'm going to tell you how you know if you have it, um, but I'm not going to recommend it. Uh, This is a personal choice you have to make. I I will tell you I would never go do this. Um, Just because even if we know it, the only I'm still going to do the same things whether I know it or not. You know what I mean? So. If I found out I had the buildup, I'm not going to go the traditional medical route anyway. The answer, so I'll skip to the second part. The answer is a good, clean, real food, low-carb diet is the only thing that's really been proven to reverse that condition and to stop it from getting worse. So That's what I'm doing anyway, So and that's what I'm going to recommend anyway. So the reason I don't recommend... It, it, they can actually do a body scan. They they can look at that level of, you know, buildup in a whole body scan. The reason I'm not a big fan of them, I, I have read some excellent books by doctors on all of these medical testing, looking for problem kind of screenings. It, it, this, I'm not talking about if you have a symptom. If you have a symptom, there is nothing wrong with going to a doctor and finding out why. But if you have no symptoms, all of these medical screenings that we do, we're going to, which I I would almost say cholesterol falls into that category, but, you know, we're going to look at prostate cancer. We're going to look at breast cancer. We're going to look for lung cancer. We're going to look for heart disease. If you go looking for something, the odds are they find it. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die or anything is wrong. And I, I, it, it really is all about the money. These medical screenings generate ungodly amounts of revenue. The screenings, them, ever wonder why they give the screening away free? The same reason drug dealers give free samples. Once they've got you in the system, that's what they want. They can afford to do all these expensive screenings free because once they get you in the system, you're going to be buying drugs and more screenings and more procedures. I know I'm a little cynical, but there's a lot of evidence that that points this way. Uh, I'm going to come back and talk about that and other things right after this. Wade will come back to you right after the break. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothsford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're talking with Wade in Texas. Kim, can you do me a favor and write two things down for me? Mm-hmm. Can you put sure, on sure put can. put on our webinar list cholesterol and overdiagnosis? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm talking about here: overdiagnosis. There are a couple really good books about this, and it has to do with these screenings and going and looking for things when there's no apparent problem. And and the one you're asking about. Wade, there's some, I, I read some horrendous examples of this. Guy had high cholesterol. Doctor recommended we screen your arteries for plaque buildup. They do the screen. Yep, he's got some plaque buildup. We're going to put him on statins and a couple other drugs. And oh, by the way, we also happened to notice in that scan, we saw a spot on your lung. We don't know what it is. We think we need to do further testing. We also happen to notice a mass in your abdomen. We think we should do a biopsy. Well, first of all, the minute you hear a spot on your lung, do you feel calm and serene, or do you feel a little bit of stress? No. Yeah, wouldn't that freak a lot of people out? Lung cancer is what they're, you know, alluding to, and lung cancer is pretty deadly. You have a mass in your body. We need to do a biopsy. the, The screening process alone is extremely stressful. The odds of false negatives and false positives are extremely high. And it's all designed to just keep moving you to the next test and the next procedure. Biopsies are painful and intrusive, and we all have masses in our body. I mean, my God, I have lumps all over the place. The older I get, the more I get them. That's common. I'm not going to go biopsy all of these things. So I I am, uh, and again, this is a personal decision people have to make. But the more research I did on this, the more I came to the conclusion that they are not testing me for anything unless I have a symptom that needs to be looked at. Okay. So we... Uh, The other question I had... uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I I was just going to say, the the answer to this, if there is plaque buildup, and there could be, but we now know that plaque buildup is inflammation damaged cholesterol and bad fats. The damaged cholesterol and inflammation comes from high sugar and carbohydrates in the diet, processed foods, and the bad fats are all in the processed foods. So if you take away the processed foods and eat real food, you eliminate all of the problems that are causing the buildups and the blockages. Okay. That makes sense. So what's your next question? So my, the next question, I uh, in the Bulletproof uh, uh, line that they have, uh, do you know anything or have you tried the uh, BXCT oil? I guess, is that yeah. what, the coconut oil? Y- yeah, so let me explain. The, the Kind of the three things we could put into our Bulletproof coffee, obviously butter, but we're talking about the coconut oil side. You can put in virgin coconut oil. Virgin coconut oil is made up of four different fats, and we have, we have designations C6, C8, C10, and C12. 
what we want is the lower the number of that fat is, it has to do with the, the way the molecules are structured. The lower the number, the easier our body can digest that fat and turn it into ketones, which is what we're after. So C6 would be the ideal thing to isolate. The problem is C6, from what I understand, tastes like old goat. Uh, it's just nasty tasting. So then they tried C8. And when they isolate C8, pure C8 has no taste, no smell, no nothing. It's completely neutral. C, pure C8 is what you will find in our store. It is the bulletproof product called Brain Octane. That is pure C8. That's what I put in my Bulletproof coffee every day. I consider that like my secret weapon. I love that stuff. Uh, I put two tablespoons of of brain octane in in my coffee twice a day in the morning. So that's four tablespoons a day. And I feel amazing. I think clear. I can absolutely measure it in my ketone production. I just think it's great stuff. XCT oil is actually a blend of C8 and C10. And the reason they do that, so it's, it's still, you know, more easily converted to ketones than pure coconut oil, but it's not as good as just pure C8. The reason they produce the XCT oil is because it's less expensive. So it's kind of a compromise. If you don't okay. really need the pure C8 and you don't want to spend the money, then the XCT oil being a blend of C8 and C10 is a nice compromise. Well, the reason I was looking at it, because I didn't know, like, even on the brain octane, because, uh, like, uh, I'll, whatever I eat, I'll, I'll take a tablespoon of uh, the XCT oil and put it put it on my food. And yeah. Do you do that with brain octane also? Yep. Or, yeah. You, uh, now, again, it, so, it, so you can... You can you, yeah, you can use it just like any um, any cooking oil. I, I wouldn't cook with it, but like any oil, like salad dressings, drizzling over your food, mixing into things. Um, the only downside, and, and I do, I make salad dressing out of it. I made mayonnaise out of it. Um, it, it that would be about a $25 pint of mayonnaise. I, that's the one downside. It is a little <laughs> expensive. Um, but, I, I, you know, for me... It's money well spent. I I love the results. Here's the other thing. You hear us talking all the time about, you know, gallbladders not functioning very well, poor bile flow. That's why we recommend the bile salts and the gallbladder support. We got to get people's gallbladder working properly to digest all the fat in this diet. The awesome thing about the brain octane, it does not need bile salts to be digested. At all. It gets absorbed right through okay. the small intestine and converted to ketones and energy. Okay. So it, it, it's one yeah, of those... I just started taking another round. Yeah, it, it's one of those uh, fats that we can add to our diet that doesn't put an, an additional load on the liver and gallbladder. Okay. So it is okay to use it on other food. I wasn't sure if, you know doing four tablespoons in my coffee, and I just started doing that this week. I, I've been doing uh, two tablespoons, and, I mean, I could feel it, but now that I've added the second cup of coffee with, with uh, four tablespoons, it, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I agree. Very clear thinking, and, and 
it's like wow. I, I so, you know, yeah. But I didn't know if you could do salads and foods and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Just use it like any other oil. It's liquid at room temperature. It blends well. It has zero taste. The C8 has zero taste. So it's a very neutral. Um, it, it, we also use those kind of, you know, we, we have the oils available in the individual pouches. That's a, a coconut oil and some of the other blends. You, you can use brain octane the same way. You, you don't hear me talk about it a lot using it that way, primarily because I, I'm, you know, cognizant of the cost. Uh, I realize that, um, you know, that that is a lot of money. You've got to look at the cost of it. We sell a lot of it in our store. I I think that's fantastic. Uh, We have a hard time keeping it in stock a lot of times. Um, But I I do want people to to be aware when you're looking at it, think about the cost, the XCT oil, which we don't carry in the store. You would have to buy the XCT oil directly from uh, Bulletproof. We carry the Brain Octane because that's really what I like. Um, so, and I do use it for other things, drizzling on food, making salad dressings, making really, really special mayonnaise. Um, let's go to Wisconsin, Sarah and Vic. Welcome to the program. Hey, I have run out of other oil and made a $25 bottle of mayo. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. It was good. Yes, yes. It, it. And um, I wanted to report on a couple devices. Um, okay, great. I received some packages last week in the mail and tried the meditation device that you suggested. And I just got one question. Sure. How do you focus on your breath without thinking about breathing? Very, very good question. When I... When I breathe in, it's really stormy. When I breathe out, it calms down. I haven't got a bird yet, but okay. I'm like, okay, so maybe hold, I'll try square breathing. And hold, as I picture in hold, my mind, hold, hold that thought because I have a lot to say about this. We're going to come right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. K 
Kim's here with me. We're talking with Sarah about the Muse device for meditation. So, Sarah, you are experiencing exactly what I experienced. So I'll tell you kind of how it happened with me. So we've always been told if you want to relax, if you want to calm down, if you want to get into that meditative state, focus on your breathing. Even the app, even the Muse app says, put your attention on your breath now when it starts. We've been told to picture, you know, what, what's calm for you. Kittens laying on the beach, the mount, whatever. Anytime I focus on my breath or picture anything, I, the storm goes off the charts. And it shocked me at first. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. This is how I'm supposed to relax. And then it dawned on me. This is measuring brain activity. To picture anything in your mind makes your brain very active. It takes a lot of computing power to picture those things. So it dawned on me, maybe we've been told all this time the wrong way to really relax our brain. I believe those things can relax your body, but I think relaxing the body and relaxing the brain are two completely different things. Even focusing on your breath, put your attention on your breath, I think is what they say. Well, think about that. What does it mean to focus? Isn't focus extreme brain activity? Yeah. So it was like this. Yeah, I'm finding that out. Yeah, me too. It was like this giant revelation. No wonder why I haven't been getting the, you know, and, and I've always loved to meditate. I mean, it is relaxing. I feel good. But I never got these amazing results, you know, clarity. and And now I understand why. So... I'm not going to tell you this is easy, but you literally have to get to the state where you are not thinking about anything. And it is it is so incredibly hard because for 54 years walking around this planet, I don't think I've ever done that. So it's something that I don't even know how... You teach somebody to do it. It's not like, you know, saying, well, take your hand and grip this this way. I'm not sure what words you use to tell somebody how to not think about anything. You have to, like, keep trying but not trying, if that makes any sense, because when you try, your brain becomes more (laughs) active. So in the beginning, I'm like, this is crazy, But I will tell you now, you kind of know how the app works, and and you said you haven't had any birds yet. Um, I've had my best session, a a 10-minute session. I had, I think, over 80 birds in a 10-minute session. (laughs) 93% of the 10-minute time, the birds were chirping solid the whole time. Good. I, wow. I will tell you that session and almost every session that I've ever been above 80%, I am using the Brain FM app with ear, earbuds in. How, how do you do both apps at the same time? Uh, two devices. Oh. So I, I play the Brain FM okay. app off my iPad or my laptop. 
and I run the Muse app on the phone because that's the only way the Muse app is going to... Well, you could probably do the Muse app on an iPad or another tablet. Uh, but I use the phone for the Muse app, and then I just use either my laptop or a, um, an iPad with earbuds so the earbuds don't really interfere with the, the head set on the Muse. And the results are amazing. I mean, it, it's not even close on how much better I do when I listen to the... Okay, I'll try that. Yeah, but but I will tell you, there are still some days I put the Brain FM app on, I think I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, and I get 18%. There there are just some days I just can't get into that meditative state no matter what I do. I imagine the longer I do this and the more consistent I am, the better and better you'll get, just like anything else. But it it is incredibly difficult not to try and not to think about anything, but that is the true meditative state. Uh oh. You there? Yes. Okay. Now I hear you. There you go. Okay. What else you got? Okay. Okay. The other device, the sleep device, it says a side effect might be vivid dreams. I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I have had several nights, even on the road while Vic is driving, of just, I knocked out seven hours of solid sleep, and I have not done that in a long time. Fantastic. I I am so glad to hear that, Sarah, because I, I have the same experience with that device. It's one of the very, very few things that I've ever had a real impact on my sleep, and I can measure it. I measure my sleep with three different apps. Um, not that I obsess over numbers or anything, but I do measure my sleep with three different <laughs> apps. Um, I also have another device coming. I don't have it yet. It should be here this week, I hope. Um, same thought process. And again, Kim, I found this from Ben Greenfield. Um, it, it's the same same technology as the device you and I are talking about but it comes from a company that has been doing this in the medical field for a very long time, and now they've just released their first consumer device, and it actually is a headband, and you put the two, um, I guess we'd kind of call them electrode kind of things, or sensors, um, like at your temples. They're all soft. It looks like it'd be fairly comfortable to wear. So I'm hoping that one gets here this week and I can try it. I actually have, that will be my third device that does this. The Mm -hmm. second one was actually kind of a headband that you wear almost like the way you see people wear sunglasses on the back of their head. It's a really thin band that, that, honestly, I haven't noticed a bit of difference with that one. I'm not sure I'm going to keep trying it again, but... That one, to me, isn't doing much of anything. And then I have this, this next one coming that looks pretty promising. But it, thank you so much for the feedback on that because um, this is a really big issue. Yeah. If we can find ways for drivers and especially team drivers to sleep better, it would be huge. So I have a device, another device uh, recommendation for everybody. Okay. Um, it's really cheap. 20 bucks at Walmart. Um, I had a craving the other week, and some people may have seen my post on Destination Health page for quiche. And I happened to have some spinach, organic spinach mix in my freezer, so I put 
blended up a handful of maybe half a cup, cup, I don't know, of um, almond flour with four eggs and a bag of eight-ounce spinach. Mixed it up, dumped it in my waffle maker. Um, five minutes it was done, popped it out, put some butter on it. It was the best. I saw that. But I, I saw then that. I got to thinking, then I got to thinking, um, for people who don't have a super inverter and stove and all that stuff, that's a real great way to cook eggs. Oh. Grab, grab a Grab a carton of eggs, whip them up, dump them in a $20 waffle maker. Five minutes, you have breakfast, fresh eggs in the truck. You can put butter on them, whipped cream, whatever. What a great idea. So, it is. Yeah. I mean, you could probably heat up leftover food in there, too. You're right. What a, what a great idea for a, a simple, inexpensive little device that can perform multiple functions, which is what you really want in the truck. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then a book recommendation I shared about a year ago, but in case there's some new people listening, it's a great um, mix of what's going on in your head with what you're doing in your body. It's called Mind Body Nutrition by Mark is M A R C Mark David. Um, really, really, really good book. I highly recommend it to everybody. Excellent. And the chapters are divided. Really, really well into like little daily devotions almost. You can take in one a day and think about it. Fantastic. Sarah, uh, Kim, we need to give Sarah some sort of a title. Um, roving correspondent I know, or, I, I mean, she brings us so much good stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Sarah, while, we've, fun, while yeah. we've got you on here and we've only got a minute or so, how are your studies going? Um... I got a little catching up to do because <laughs> I still have a hard time getting through the hard book, but I love the lectures and um, not bad. Good, good. Well, y- you know, join the oh, rest of us. I just, fin- I just finished another book. I'm just finished another book I'm going to send to you later today because I can't remember the author's name. It's called The Human Superorganism. A uh, guy talked about the paradigm shift between the old medical and oh. the new way of looking that sounds human plus microorganism. That sounds awesome. I'd love to read that one. Thank you. All right. Kim, any final words? We're all out of time again. Um, no, it just reminds people to still do the NHQ out there. Um, things have slowed down a little bit with that, and they're just doing so much good for people. So go to our website and submit NHQ or send us an email to support at letstrust.com. Fantastic. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, everybody. Hey, you know, there's a lot of calls and questions we didn't get to again. I will encourage you when we do this show, call in early, press one quickly. Um, We'll try to do some more hours when we can. I just don't have the time. We'll see you next time. I'm Kevin Rutherford.